Welcome to Girl, Get a Real Job, a podcast series by Women of the Wick, a platform amplifying the visibility, voices and work of women, trans and non-binary creatives. I'm your host, Sara Karpanen, a multimedia artist, writer and the founder of Women of the Wick. Girl, Get a Real Job is a space where we normalize money and business talk as artists and creative practitioners. To continue the conversation, please find us on social media at Women of the Wick and Girl Get a Real Job. Now, let's start talking about the real worth of our creative work. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the notion of failure and how to not take rejection personally, a topic that is quite close to my heart. And I am super excited about our guest today. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Isabel Sachs, a creative producer, public speaker, a podcast host, and the founder of I Like Networking, a mentoring platform. Isabel has over 15 years of experience working on a variety of non-profits, cultural organizations, and consumer-led companies such as Converse, Lipton, Red Bull, and Lollapalooza, amongst others. So it's really great to connect with you and have you here today, Isabel. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah, likewise. Um, and yeah, I mean, please introduce yourself if I actually didn't mention something quite crucial. Or uh, No, I think, yeah, I've been in the industry for all this time and I've done a lot of things. Like I served a lot of coffee and carried a lot of things to start with. So, you know, like I don't put that on my CV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just say a lot of experience it's <laughs> that's, actually, that's the reality yeah, but, yeah. And speaking of I mean CVs that's quite an interesting thing of what we highlight and I think even the kind of um daily I've been updating mine and and talking about after, like for a very after a long period of time I've um talked about that with my friends and we're kind of compared not compared to our CVs but I've also learned a ton I think there is a lot of of these kind of things that are quite invisible often that unless if we then talk about and ask about these things which is also the reason why I want to talk about you know money and success and failure and all these kind of things that are often seen as more, more almost like taboos uh, as creative practitioners yeah so today we're talking about failure and also how I um, connected with you was I found an article you had written online about of failure and and um and the kind of reason that we shouldn't take rejections or failures personally so why do you think that's important well i'm a very successful person if i may add (laughs) thank you very much i mean i don't think anyone feels successful all their times that i have i have yet to meet someone who doesn't deal with like 12 downs in one day you know like i just it's it's easy to read something online see people's profiles you know which is polished to a point which serves a purpose right but and then realize oh my god this person has it all together and then think like at the end of the day no one has everything together at all times forever it's not how it works um i wrote about this was actually an invitation by that 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 portal that magazine to talk about it just because i lost my job in the pandemic uh due to the pandemic because I was working music festivals which was not the greatest market to be in, in I would April, have known. 
And I spoke very candidly to people about that because I just thought, you know, like everyone is at this point and it's just at the beginning, I was very kind, not, not embarrassed, but I, I took it really hard upon myself as if I had some control over a pandemic. And then after um, a few weeks of what I tell people I did was Netflix and crying because it was not chill at all. Um, I started to make sense of what was going on. You know, I think there's always a shock when you get a big, for me, that was like a big fail. Like that had never happened in my life. And I was like, what am I going to do now? You know, so I think it's just an important thing for us to consider how we talk about failure, what type of failure, you know, and how. I think at that at that article, I also spoke a little bit about bouncing back from rejection because I think, you know, problems and failures that we go through, sometimes we take it to heart as a personal thing, like as someone rejected you as a full human being. And most of the time when it comes to work or career-related things, there are other elements in place and they're not rejecting you as a human, as a person. So that's why I think that we should do a potentially a difference, right? I'm not a psychologist, right? Just a disclaimer, if no one knows yet. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but like, this is my perception and understanding of things. But that's so true. I'm really glad that you said that because <laughs> I think we often, though, of course, work is so crucial to us and we need to make money in order to survive, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I think, you know, we are much more than just our titles and the, the strict boxes, like you said, the way that we present ourselves on social media or LinkedIn or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think as creative people, especially, it's quite hard to make that distinction. And, you know, there are plenty of examples. I even listened to a Jay-Z, um, it was a, just one of these kind of cheesy YouTube videos where there were a lot of things like smashed up together <laughs> but he talked about like how everyone um he talked about mainly about I think success but you know he also talked about his career how he started it and how many rejections he received like along the way so if Jay-Z has been there I mean J.K. Rowling you, you know have like yeah. these examples where people have received more rejections and then we see the tip of the iceberg in the end yeah celebrate and I think you're right. Like the one thing about, I guess, the creative sector is that most people that work in it, like you, like me, are, we. there's an element of the work we decided to do that's very tied up with our personalities, with our values and what we love. And so, you know, you say that you are an artist or you're a journalist, almost as this is like your, a mark of your identity as, you know, I, it doesn't always happen to other professions and yeah. so I think when we have a, a problem at work at our careers it take it can be really hard to dissociate like I had that issue when I first moved to London I had an agency in Brazil it was very successful and for then for, for 10 years I have been telling everyone when I introduced myself well I'm, I'm a producer like this is what I do. These are the people I manage. This is my company. It's a company. Then when I sold that, I went to like this massive identity crisis. I was like, I don't even know what to tell people. Like, what am I? You know, <laughs> whereas like my friends don't really care that if I'm a producer or not a producer. But in my mind, it was like, this is my value to the world, you know? Like, yeah. and I think it's, it's a difficult balance. And I think perhaps this is why when 
rejections come to our to us a big like career failure moments mm. we sometimes might take it more to our heart really than right. potentially other people in other sectors yeah very true now can i pause for a second what you just said um you know like fine like i'm redefining yourself or or finding yourself so did you switch careers uh, did you then <clears throat> went to do something else or re-educated us so how was that process for you more or less so i started um working in the creative industries when i was like 17 and i you know was carrying things and making coffee as i mentioned uh it was not very glamorous then i got a job at an art gallery as a gallery assistant which you know basically meant that i was kind of a secretary and i you know, none of those things were very glamorous, but they taught me everything that I know it was really great experience. I worked in very different projects. And then I got this opportunity to work in this huge festival um, in Poland. And that was my first big shot as the producer mm -hmm. of a big event and a big project. And I was really young. I was very lucky to have met the, the person who gave me this opportunity. And from then on, my career just went kind of fast in a different direction in a direction of like people wanting to work with me and the the decision to then open my own agency and just figure it out and make it happen it was amazing right but no so i i had this you know we, we was we were successful really fast in a way and by that i mean let's define success okay mm -hmm. uh I was living in my parents' house. I worked 18 hours a day. I had zero personal life wow. and I ate pizza every day for six months. Um, this was to make the, this project happen, to make the agency stand on its feet. And by success, I mean that we won a lot of awards. We were recognized very fast. And that meant that we got lots of contracts. A lot of people wanted to work with me and things were moving in a really nice direction. Mm. Um, my, my success didn't mean that I was making tons of money and I was a billionaire. You know, it took me another year at least to be able to have enough money to move out of my parents' house. Mm -hmm. You know, so like it, it's it's a, you know, you, you have to let something go if you want to be successful in one area. Like it's not, oh, we got lots of awards and lost somebody all at the same time. Everything was sorted. Like also, as I mentioned, like no like social life, like my friends, like you still exist. Yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, there are sacrifices that you have to do when you're building something, right? Um, mm. So this is what I did. But then in when I moved to London in 2014, by the end of 2015, I was struggling to keep things. I was doing a master's here, trying to decide what my next path should be. I was not sure if I wanted to be a talent agent anymore, a producer. I was really tired. I was really at the edge of burnout. I actually had proper burnout in 2017 and I just thought like if I'm gonna give a shot at making you know a life in London I need to let it go because I can't just be in two places at the same time mm -hmm. and so I sold the agency and so that was a big difficult moment because obviously it was like my baby you know yeah. and people knew me because of it and in Brazil I was like like a big fish in a small pond in London I had to prove myself again from the start like yep. people didn't care what I had done yeah. yeah it was it was hard it was hard to explain to people my experience and to get it across you know I had never had a CV 
when I came to London. I had never had a resume because I started working really young and then, you know, people just kind of like recommend you to one person yeah. to another. And then at the end of the day, I, I started my own company. So I hadn't worked for anyone in a long time. Like I had clients, yeah. but it's a completely different. Like no one asks for your CV. <laughs> well, they don't ask for a cover letter. <laughs> they just ask if you're going to do the job. <laughs> To be honest, that conversation about the CVs in the beginning of, of this chat was like, I've never, I've just been very lucky to be kind of recommended to different jobs. And as a freelancer, you get often asked to do stuff. So, you know, now I was building my CV and that's what was the comparison came. So my CV was from like 2011. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently people have very shiny ones these days. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, um, no, no. But that's it. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Like I didn't even count the stuff that I was doing because it was like that. And um, you came to do a master's here, or yeah, I did. A, I did my master's here in arts, like management, arts policy management, and it was fun. It was good to have a moment to think, and it was a year that I really like experienced everything. I went to all the festivals. And I saw so much theater and so many concerts it was like amazing it was like a kid in a candy shop yeah. because Brazil has a lot of culture inside of the country obviously we have a lot of amazing artists talent that a lot of things that happen usually in in the non-pandemic life in terms of culture we do have a big cultural life of course but when it comes to anything that's international it, unless it's like big big concerts like Lollapalooza Paul McCartney which charge a lot of money and that come anyway to Latin America like if Bob Wilson's gonna come to Brazil like if the, the Teatro de Soleil is gonna come to Brazil like it's it's a struggle for them to come because it's expensive it's far and then you have to stand in line you know for five hours to get a ticket like people go to things right. but it's like it's very it's a lot more like it's a very rare opportunity that you get to see some of these people you know and yeah. then like here in London everyone comes all the time to everything so I was like crazy I was like, this is incredible <laughs> I'm gonna be the director of the bar we can watch everything for free that was my idea like I, I tend to have very small goals <laughs> right. is that really and, true? <laughs> uh, and then I yeah no yeah and then I just stay here and then try to get a job and I didn't exactly know what to do because again I hadn't had a job in a long time yeah. like I hadn't worked for anyone for ages yeah uh, so it was and I didn't even understand some of the things here like you know Brazil it's a, like a startup nation in a way especially in the creative sector there is no creative industry there's no industry there are creatives trying to survive you know there is no like set a structure for you to do things it's it's a very different place mm -hmm. and I would explain people my experience they're like okay so do you do fundraising I was like yes and production and marketing and like like I had to do everything to survive like I don't know <laughs> it's just like a different thing uh so it was a big shock to wow. be honest um and yeah it was hard to get my first like I had to do placements, you know, uh, I like work for free and I threw myself at like trying to contact people like crazy because I knew I had to know people to get a shot yeah. and, and then ended up working for free a bit, you know, during the, my, my master's, which led me to meet some people, which led me to my first job here. So, which is one of the problems in the industry, right? But we'll leave that for another different right. podcast. Right, yeah, that is. Yeah, but weird. I just, 
I just needed to meet people and needed to know what things were like here. I had no idea of how things operated. You know, it's very different. I think it takes you a while to get used to a new country, wherever you go. Like you lived in different countries as well, right, Sarah? Yeah. So every time you go to a new place, there are different structures, different players. You just need to figure it out and it takes a bit of time. Wow. It's not... I think it's a good practice as well to put yourself in a new environment where you do, you know, you are out of your comfort zone. You can't necessarily rely on the things, you know, it's like, I think there's a lot of self-discovery in those moments, but of course there's the other hand, like, um, it's just, I don't want to talk about myself, but just to, <laughs> just no, to but please. <laughs> yes, sure, sure. You know, I, I had worked uh, as a journalist in Finland before I moved to London and I was working in like national newspapers, daily newspapers, and as a freelance journalist, and then I moved here. And then I had, I, I was just always, I was just always getting the jobs very easily in Finland. And, and I had always studied arts and I had a master's degree in arts and I had been exhibiting as well. But I, you know, the money was coming from journalism and I was quite dedicated to go towards that goal, but in a quite unlikely, unusual path, because <laughs> I didn't study or didn't want to study journalism. However, then, so I moved here and I was like, oh, well, things just roll as they do. And <laughs> surprisingly, people like Finnish magazines don't want to read so much about things happening in London. You know, there's only like so much that you can pitch like yeah. every month, like, you know, every week, you know, obviously you can't really survive um, out of that necessarily. And then it was just really shocked me how like my CV, my education coming from top university from Finland didn't mean like fuck all here to yeah. be honest. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're placed in this place where you know you, the competition in London is a lot higher. There's so much talent uh from everyone from all over the world. And so you're like, oh I speak true language. It's like so what? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. everyone <laughs> Like, yeah, whatever. Like, everyone speaks through language. Also, like, almost everyone that comes here has to speak English, so we don't care. So yeah. there are, like, if there are things that you're like, oh, okay. And, yeah, they, you know, I, I think it's the way it is. Like, the competition is just huge in the city. And yeah, just have, absolutely. It just takes a while to get your mind. I, again, like, for me, I was like, oh, my God, I'm a failure. You can't mm. get a job. Look at all my experience. was worth not, nothing. Mm. and people were just like like you just need to fight to get in you know right. if you get in then you prove yourself and I'm not saying this is nice or this is the way that it should be mm -hmm. uh this is one of the things that I like to change a little yeah. bit with ally networking you know to make it a nicer experience for anyone but yeah, yeah. love to hear as in you know you are very passionate uh to to yeah to create things for the better and so last yeah. year you already said you started i like networking and um yeah can you tell us a little bit more about that and on the premises that you started the the platform for yeah so as i mentioned last year i had lost my my contract as a freelancer for this a big project the music festival and obviously in April, no one was hiring anyone for anything. It was a really difficult moment. Um, so I, I was really sad. Like I was not in a good mental state. I think it was very difficult uh, for everyone, but I guess for us as well that have family elsewhere, you know, like I do have family in Europe, but even still, I couldn't go to France even, you know, like it was just a difficult moment in so many ways. And I saw my LinkedIn just looked like a graveyard 
every day it was like this amount of people getting fired this amount of people yeah. like oh, please help and it was just like a horrible moment and I couldn't see anyone coming to support the creative industries and I think that's a common thread in history whenever things go wrong economically the first thing people want to cut is us and then when you think about it, what do people do in this pandemic? You know, they were like watching Netflix. They were listening to music. They were looking at like Instagram lives. We're reading books, like, but people don't take, they don't really give as much value on a day-to-day -day basis to those things, you know? And I think governments in general tend to look at it the same way. And it's shocking because in the UK, the creative industry not only is one of the largest, like I think the fifth largest in terms of, monetary, you know, revenue and so on. But also uh, the UK has a big history of using culture as a diplomacy tool. And that's a completely different thing, but I, it freaks me out that then people will just throw everyone who does this in the bin and be like, okay, you sort yourself out, you know? And to me, that's a big issue. And I, it pisses me off, honestly. I couldn't agree more with you. I was looking at the statistics, I think I've said on the podcast previously as well, but like the creative industry makes over 100 billion every year. But then at the same time, the average earnings of an artist is just about over 16k a year. I mean, this is for, you know, kind of like yeah. traditional visual artists, especially, but like they're there's such a huge imbalance there. And we need to anyway, talk about that more. So let's yeah, no, no, that's exactly it. And then I felt at a point that then what happened was that a lot of my friends who also lost their jobs or were in different, even in different industries, like in Mizia, I mean, Phil, they were telling me like, what am I going to do now? Because the only way to get a job in this industry is because it's from knowing people, it's from networking. And how am I going to network now? And I already hate networking. This is impossible. Like, and one person told me, oh my God, I would pay if there was a service that just introduced me to people in the industry that I could know. Because that's the, yeah, I think that's the thing. People just felt really unsupported. Mm -hmm. And I was like, to, to be honest, I don't hate networking. I actually like networking, which is why you have this very popular, this very like simple name, because this is the idea. And I said, look, one thing that I know is that I've been in this industry for a long time. So I actually know a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I could get some of them to mentor other people and agree that part of the mentoring is that they will introduce their mentees to people in the industry. Because the idea is that you come out of the program feeling like you have a support system. Because to be honest, when I lost my job last year, yeah, it was hard. All those things were happening as I described. But at the same time, there were people messaging me, friends from the industry who were like, I'm sending your CV to your friend. Or like, do you want to do this quick like freelance gig? It's like for two weeks or this like, there were people coming to my rescue that made the experience a lot better, you know, because otherwise I would have sunk completely. Mm -hmm. And no, I had all these other people who were in different, like my, you know, clients from Brazil and clients from here and people from the States and people messaging and talking and sending my CV around. And that is a huge help, huge, you know, not just professionally, but also on your mental health in general, right? Like you feel like you're supported by your industry. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. But last year I thought, so this was, I lost my job in April. I had this conversation with this friends in May. So I launched a program in June. So it was like, I thought it was going to last. 
I thought the pandemic would be over by October. <laughs> yeah, that's what I guess we all, I remember saying after the first, I said to my boyfriend, it was in <sighs> March. I was like, can you imagine? They said that this can last for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So like, no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> like for me, two weeks back then was like a lifetime. Anyway, live and Yeah. Learn. So, so oh. I launched the mentoring program and I, we had 37 yeah, mentors no, and August. I, in June last year, yeah. And I just said, if we have a hundred applications, that will be great. And then we had like a hundred applications in 24 hours. And I was like, wow. I, I was like, what the hell we're gonna do with all these people now? And so this is where I kind of understood the extent of like the need for support in the industry in different ways. And I thought, well, obviously the program is free. Um, I started as a voluntary thing. I just thought like, I don't have, I have a lot of time on my hands now. So I might as well <laughs> do something to do about others. Like to me, uh, this it's a bit woo woo maybe, but um, I was really too much on my head last year and I was not doing well mentally. And so for me, I was like, I'm, I got really tired, Sarah, of thinking about myself, like so tired. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to think about other people. I'm just going to help other people just gonna like do something for other people because when you when you're doing something in service of others you feel like you get a new perspective of your own life so it's a little selfish in a way but also it focused my mind on like there are bigger problems I had and like I have some power in me you know to do a little bit so that really helped me in a way as well so I think it was a mutually beneficial project yeah. <laughs> for the people and for myself um you know I'm not a saint uh but, <laughs> but then yeah with the, what? <laughs> yeah no but with the whole thing then because there was so much demand for support I started thinking about ways to help everyone in different sort of places so we started a podcast because I thought well this is an easy way to share the mentors experiences with lots of people even if they don't get to talk to that mentor and we started our online events with the same idea and then everything that our platform does this right now and we're now officially like a social enterprise and we have a mentoring program we have a membership scheme we have the online event series like tons of digital resources we are totally free right like our jobs uh, our funding uh, our ebook all of those things and so it all started from that really from seeing the demand and kind of responding to it it's a very different way than how I started my first agency where I like had a business plan, etc. This was just like, oh, there are problems. Let's fix them. Let's, Let's fix them. this and then, and then figure out. Uh, so it's been kind of a crazy journey so far. Like we only launched like an Instagram at the end of July last year because I was like, no, because by October, this will be over. No one's going to need any more support. And so it's, it's like, I have no idea. You know, I had never really... Like I've, I've felt a lot of sexism in the industry and I've had a lot of problems as a woman in the industry, but I never had actually sat down to look at the stats to actually understand like, wait, this is kind of effed up that you have to work for free to get a job. Like I had never, I, I had considered that, but I had never really like sat and realized the extent that the practices in our industry and you know, in other industries that apply to ours uh, can damage the the sort of people that access the creative industry and then what the results are. So 
it was a big, big learning curve for me. Like you, you know, I, I had before, I was just like, we have a project, we have an artist, we need to produce this. Like, I didn't think about the, like too much. Like we thought about audience development, right? But you didn't think about the creative workforce development as much. Because, well, because you didn't have time, right? Like you don't have time to do yeah. everything. Yeah. No one else. So this is how it all came to be. Amazing. <laughs> how do you manage to do everything? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is it just you who does everything? Yeah, it's just me. Yeah, I get tired. Um, do you still work I, 18 hours a day? <laughs> I work a lot of hours, not 18 hours, but mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah. I mean, I, I think I learned some lessons from that time. So first of all, it would be impossible to do what we do without the support of our mentors. They are incredible. And, you know, at the end of the day, they when the mentoring program starts, the, the brunt of the weight is on them. And they are incredible. They shout out about the program and they promote it and they, they are really great. And they come to the events and, you know, they... They offer their time in so many ways. They're like really generous people, really wanting to change the industry again. And um, I collected, when we started having applications last year, I called upon like uh, an, a small advisory board that helped me shortlist people because I didn't want to be the one right. in charge of people's fates, basically. Mm -hmm. And also because I knew some people who were applying and I felt that was going to be a bit difficult. So uh, so I have support in different ways yeah um, and obviously I am a lot better now about asking for help for things than I was when I first started in this in this big world you know that I wanted to do everything myself and now I'm a little bit better at that but um, hopefully we'll get you know more funding that we can hire people and make it sustainable I would love that like we are going to have a assistant for a period of time through the kickstart scheme, which is really cool. Cool. Um, but yeah, so it's all the for applications at the minute. Yeah, yeah, until twenty first of May, I okay. think. Okay. Yeah, so it's on the website. I'll send you the link. But yeah, like it's it's hard. You have to as I it's it's what I say to people like, yes, I work a lot, but also there are things that I don't do like I don't have a kid like I don't have kids for now mm. so you know I don't have to care take care of them like I don't know there there are different things that I don't do that then allow me to you know like yeah I've, I'm not training for a marathon you know and I'm not baking banana bread like I cook really boring food and most of the times I just eat pasta because I don't have time to sit down and make a beautiful meal like you know, you, you order more takeout than you should, like you work out less hours than you like to, and you see less friends than you like to, like everything in life is a balance. Like what mm -hmm. uh, I always say this, like, can, can people have it all? I think they can, but at different times, like you right. can't have it all, all the time at the same time forever. It's impossible. No one hits, oh, this is the balance and I stay here forever. It's just, I'd never, I've never seen that happen in my life. Yeah. I think, obviously, if you're a Hollywood celebrity and you have 12,000 assistants with you, then maybe life is different for you. But for us, who are not like that, uh, I think we have to, you know, be realistic that some things are just going to be left to the side for a while while you're doing something else. And then you can focus again. And then not everything that you're going to do is going to be perfect. So. And I think this is one of my only big like inside skills as an entrepreneur 
it's terrible if I was a journalist or a copywriter or a designer. I would never be any of those things because one thing I'm not is a perfectionist. So I don't worry too much if something's a little imperfect as long as it's there and it's making and it's working, you know? So I'd rather have things out and moving uh, where some people get really- personally attacked. <laughs> but it's like, it's so true. Like for me to send something takes so much time because I rewrite, 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 you know, like I look at the PDF like 100,000 times until I'm able- yeah. to And that, that is great for a lot of things. Like I definitely hire people like you, you know, but I would never be the one like, do you have attention to detail? Like, no, I really don't. Like it's not something I have. That's why I have Grammarly and that's why I have like the people have, like I don't have that like I cannot you know I don't have that capacity inside of me. I think if anything first which obviously it won't but I think you would become an excellent uh, stand-up comedian because I have not been laughing this much <laughs> in a podcast ever yeah I hope that there is just not like a constant background laugh in this podcast episode that's fine but yeah like I I just you know I just, be honest (laughs) I think we all have our strengths no point faking them not gonna last you know like like I I always tell people like oh I love sports but I really don't love me back like because I can fall all the time I'm really uncoordinated like no one's gonna call me to be on the Olympics you know like as much as they like it's just not gonna happen so you can enjoy the sport full knowing full well that you're kind of suck at it you know you're bad I'm bad at it you know like it is what it is. Like, you just can't beat yourself up for some of those things. You know, like, right. yeah, if the goal of my life, the mm-hmm. only focus of my life would be, I want to go to the Olympics. Maybe I could focus like crazy and figure it out. Maybe, you know, but I don't, I don't want to stop my whole life to try chase the goal. So at the end of the day, it's like, okay, how important is this for you anyway? You know, yeah. Like, I think you've given already like a tons of uh, nuggets of wisdom. However, going back to the initial um, conversation <laughs> of rejection and so on and so forth, if, you know, what kind of advice would you give to someone listening to this now, feeling that they're, you know, quite at the low point of feeling demotivated to continue? What kind of advice would you give to that person? So the first advice I give is that if, if something bad to you just happen if you just had a blow to your career and you're feeling low like don't feel like you need to read 12 instagram like you know quotes and be like no i need to be happy i'm strong i mean like you are allowed to feel sad right and to feel low and i think we should go through those phases so that you can get out of it you know of course if you're feeling low for too long and maybe you need help then please find help um there is a a thin line there but Mm. I think first of all don't we put a lot of pressure on ourselves especially as women to be strong to be to be never down to like not be vulnerable just keep going keep going and there's sometimes you just need time to heal you know like you fell like something in you is like bleeding like you need to wait a little bit you know to stop that so I think that's really important that you allow people to feel sad and feel low and have a little bit of a pity party and and then afterwards you can come back stronger right but you need to go to that phase once you've done that i think it's really important to try to assess exactly as, as we were saying sarah what what went wrong 
you know like is this something that you could have done differently or was it just like you know a, a pandemic happening like how many because again I think we tend to feel like we have a lot of control over things that sometimes we don't and we can make a lot we can make our case a lot better in most times like you can make an amazing CV you can make a great application you can take the time to talk to people there are a lot of things you can do for yourself, you know, to advocate for yourself. But sometimes even with all of that, you're still not going to get whatever it is that you're looking for. And so there is a moment that you kind of have to think about, okay, why didn't that happen? Could I have done something better? Like, and just take that, you know, because it's the only way you're going to learn and grow. And I think it's important to think, always have in mind those things that, you know, this happens to everyone. And it's not about the failure itself. It's about how you respond to things that makes a difference. You know, everyone fails. That's why in, in job interviews, people ask, what was your biggest challenge? Because it's the hero story if people are interested. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not the challenge itself. It's like how you went about it. You know, like right. a lot of people deal with a lot of stuff and you just yeah. have to figure out how to best figure it out and navigate that. Yeah. So I think that is important. And then obviously, as I said, I think it makes a big difference when you have a support system around you. And that does not have to be people in the industry. It can be, it can be your sister, it can be your friends, it can be your dog. I don't know. I, I think it's important that you have people that you can talk to that can also give you some feedback, some advice and like be like, not just like, girl, he was an idiot. Like forget him. But like, that's, there's a time for that. But like, sometimes being like, you know, like, could you have done this? Or maybe I'll introduce you to someone who does, you know, uh, portfolio reviews or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, let's do like a cover letter swap or anything, you know? Like, I think there are people that can come to your life that can give you some really nice feedback mm -hmm. and support at this time. But I would urge people to only do that when they are finally ready to receive it because right. it is hard, yeah. you know? So this is why I'm saying that you kind of have to feel when you feel sad, just feel sad. Like, I don't know any person that's like, oh yeah, I didn't get this or I didn't get that and nothing happened to me. Like if nothing happened to you, then you didn't care mm -hmm. about that thing, right? When you care about things, you're set to let them go or you're set to lose mm -hmm. them. It's mm -hmm. normal. So I think we just need to be a little more accepting of how, you know, sometimes fragile we can be right before we build ourselves up because that's also a strength you know in understanding yeah, yeah i felt that that was hard i've learned something from it mm -hmm. what can i do now you know i think this these are the steps that ideally you would go through yeah and i love what you said then of you know then getting tired of your own bullshit or whatever probably something along those lines that you said yeah. then you know made you to think then others instead of your yourself and think things in the bigger picture um yeah I think that really helps like obviously this is my way of dealing with things but yeah I, I I really think when you first of all there's a moment to have a pity party but at the end of the day the world the world doesn't owe you anything no one owns you anything it's a very brutal world out there and you know you're the only advocate for yourself the best advocate for yourself is you right so you are I think people need to understand that it's okay to feel sad and defeated that's absolutely normal everyone has that yeah. but 
just if you just attribute that to yourself like oh my god but people should just give it to me I'm a victim and it's like not really like there's a lot of things that you can do to make yourself to make your position better no one's saying that it's easy you know uh but you know at the end of the day you're the only one who will fight for yourself as much as you you need um I think that's important there is a balance there of learning how to you know feel sad and then like stop that but I think you have to go to that phase but again um if you don't go after things for you like no one will like it's no good waiting for things but I always tell people especially when it comes to networking like why don't you offer someone a service it can be like a charity like it can be someone who is starting at the industry or or even just someone who you know and you're like okay let's do something to help one another you know Mm -hmm. that really helps people get out of their heads I think it's always nice to service others it helps you to to figure out where your strengths lie you know where your strengths lie and give you a sort of boost in the ego which is nice to get you out of that funk you know and I think in our industry specifically in our creative industry it is a collaborative place place and it should be collaborative, right? If, if hopefully this is most people's experience. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to work for free, but there are things that you can do to help others in the industry at all times. And it can be as simple as introducing someone to someone else or reviewing someone's portfolio or reviewing someone or creating a logo for someone or showing someone how to use, you know, Photoshop or whatever it is. Uh, it really helps you and you're like okay this is what I'm really good at this or like I can't you know it just gets you out of that funk and also creates a really nice like chain of events as well like you actually supported someone and they will think about that next time you know I think it's just the way that we should like no one does anything alone yeah it's such a different way of looking at things when you are like focusing on um especially now like in the pandemic like you said there is a lot of like constantly we have this feed of news of quite like a negative news on how yeah people have got like lost their jobs or gotten redundant etc like um how much debt the country has like you know which are big 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 figures then to pull yourself out of that loop of I need to find a job, I need to, you know, that kind of pressure. So you would suggest instead of, I guess, or, or maybe you can do those both at the same time or? Yeah, I yeah, think. I think so. I think, you know, when, we, when it comes to CV stuff, I think we can really get into a rut and then you apply to, a, we get into that theory of applying to a many things. And at the end of the day, you only need one job. Yeah. so you shouldn't be doing ten thousand applications because you don't want probably ten thousand jobs do you yeah, like yeah. probably not yeah. i think a job is almost like okay this has two answers like one of them is yes you have to apply to things and you have to be kind of considering what you really want to do mm-hmm. is this a good place for you etc and then apply accordingly and take the time to do it and I would definitely tell people never to apply every day for jobs if you're in that process because you just can't do it because it drains your energy. You're going to start writing bad applications. It's just going to bring you down. You're going to have breaks. breaks. You know, it's good for your brain. It's good for your creativity. It's just going to make everything better for you. Uh, and so ideally, people find their best jobs through this. However, 
this is a real reality check from someone from Brazil who has already been through one economic crisis. Uh, sometimes <laughs> the job that you want doesn't yet exist due to economic reasons. Right. And sometimes you don't have all the experience required for that job that you want. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you have to take the job that is not the perfect one. Mm -hmm. But I, I tend to, like my first real job, like uh, at an office, I hated the job, hated it. So unhappy doing that. I had the best boss ever. Mm. It was completely random. It was completely admin. It was not related to the arts at all. Mm. Like, but I've learned a lot. I learned professional ethics. You know, I learned how to properly write emails. I learned how to deal with uh, donors, you know, with like high-end, like high net worth individuals. I learned a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, it was boring while I was doing it but really helped me to get my next job. And I think when it comes to the creative industries, a lot of times people think that, oh, the, the first job is incredible. It's like, to be honest, your first job is probably gonna ask, be people asking you to do Excel spreadsheets, organizing presentations, like, can you do your PowerPoint? Can you organize information properly? Mm -hmm. Can you write? And, and are you a self-starter? Like, can you go after quite, like solutions yourself? And to learn those things, not necessarily you need to start in the creative industry. You can start somewhere else. You know, if the creative industries are at a low in terms of hiring, like we are right now, mm. maybe you have to get a job somewhere else. This is what happened to me as well. Uh, and then afterwards, you can make it work. Again, I'm not. I'm never saying that things are easy for anyone. Like, I think expecting that just because you're qualified things will just happen to you it's a bit naive because yeah it depends where you live but I grew up in Sao Paulo and then I moved to London and so my experience is the opposite of that it's like nothing is easy <laughs> and if you want it you gotta go for it you know yeah. that's why the Olympics thing like I never really wanted to go to the Olympics so as much as like it sucks that I'm so bad in sports it is whatever you know because not the goal of my life so yeah. if it's something that's really important for you you're gonna have to put your head down and go for things and sometimes you have to think a little outside the box if you're facing an economic crisis you know like you're gonna have to figure something out uh, I mean if you don't have if you don't need to work then great then you can wait but I think that's not most people's realities yeah and you know a lot of people start for instance in get some like part-time retail jobs and then do things you know at, at different times that are for the creative things and you learn a lot again in retail jobs you learn everything you need to learn about customer service you know you deal with people like there's a lot of things that you learn from everything that you do like no activity like completely pointless like your experiences are worth something you know everyone has a different path mm -hmm. and if your path is not perfect the way you wanted it to be then make the best that you can out of that situation and then you can you know get the experience from that and change your narrative because it's a little bit about how you frame it to yourself as well right like I had this job at this art gallery if people think about it like oh you were an art gallery yeah like I was like cleaning things and I was like answering phones I wasn't doing anything particularly exciting but it gave me enough flexibility that I could then go work in film sets in mm -hmm. in things you know where I carried stuff and bought people food and bought people coffee you know mm -hmm. like was it great and glamorous no mm -hmm. the opposite I was always sweaty with dirty hair but I learned a lot I learned how things work and how people operate and I've met people you know so I think in the beginning 
Mm. You kind of have to hustle a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not put yourself through impossible situations, but a little bit of hustle is gonna have to happen. I think. I think yeah. it's very hard to achieve your goals without a without some hard work. Yeah, in the world we live. Sorry. In the world we live in, you know, maybe in different worlds not, but in this world, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next part maybe, yeah. But that's really refreshing to also not to think so much about our ego and 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 I think as like you said, I'm also not a psychologist. However, this is a, a phrase yeah. a therapist told me a couple of years ago that life is not linear, as we often think that you know carries should go linearly as well. And not know, at all. Yeah, like there is a lot of you know whatever something happening in between that we get into. And and Sarah, if I if I may say one one last tip that always helps me deal with rejection, and it's a personal one, so I don't know if how well people will take this, but this is the thing. If someone was rejected as much as me in lo- in the in love life, like I think you become really good at it. Like I was rejected by so many. Like I was dumped in some spectacular ways. Like I was always like the entertainment for my friends. I was like, you won't believe what just happened. Like like Sex in the City style, like dumped via a post-it sort of thing, you know. And to me, those were like so hard because they're about a lot more about who you are, right? Right. And then after the fifth time you get dumped really badly you're like I'm not afraid anymore mm-hmm. I'm gonna go love anyone I want and if they dump me I will survive I've survived all of these other times you know and so to me whenever like something really hard happens I try to think about one of those moments that I was like dumped really spectacularly and I was so in love and then I'm like yeah and yet <laughs> I survived and I fell in love again it was all good you know so it's like you can do this you have the strength inside of you yeah and you're just not going to not be rejected ever in your life yeah. I think doesn't mean and I don't think even if you're like the hottest person in the world I think even then you get rejected by something or someone we that's how it works rejected. so I if people were like oh I can't do this like okay have you been dumped at least once then did you survive this you can't do it you know like if you're going through hell, keep going as Winston Churchill, who I don't quote often, yeah. but you know, <laughs> it's quite like a poignant quote. Uh, okay, yeah. last question. Um, where do you have like a five-year plan? Or where would you like to see yourself or I like networking going into future? Okay, can I ask two questions? Yeah, yes, of course. No, to be honest, I have three, but I try to keep them here. <laughs> um, yeah, do you see your your own path now like, as an entrepreneur? Um, or yeah, I mean. I throw it all back to you. Yeah. No, I don't. I only plan one year at a time in my life. I've never planned more than this. I find it very difficult. I am a really anxious person. And to me, thinking about the future is impossible. And also, I, I just, I think I'm old enough now to think, to understand that it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Like you can make all plans you want and then life is going to have a different plan. you know and so you just need to have I think actionable goals and things you like to achieve but be slightly flexible about those things and things change so when it comes to online networking yes I have a sort of a plan for the next year on how to tackle it like the first goal is to have some time and space to figure out the best way to make it a sustainable model like what are the offers that are really important where are the offers that I can like go, where are things that I can delegate, what can be automated, all those things to make it a proper system. And I'm working on that in different uh, 
speeds. And then what it's going to be like in the future, I think it's going to depend based on what people need in the sector. And if in two years time, it's no longer needed, then it's no longer needed. Mm. I see my path a lot more clear, clearer now in terms of, you know, when I started in, in the industry, I started as a producer and then I quickly had a lot of clients that were like talent. And I think I was always very <laughs> attracted to like emerging artists or emerging talent and making sure that I can put them in a path. And then whenever they were actually successful, I kind of lost interest. Mm. You know, I think I really enjoy opening paths for people and like tackling some problems. And I have this like, let's let's deal with this problem and then let's do it another problem sort of mentality. So I don't think I have, I'll ever have a very like normal or structured sort of um, career I've all I also know that I work really well on my own and I like I like working with people but I do like to be the owner of my own time so for me actually like working for myself or building my own company yes it is stressful there are a lot of things that are really stressful but it's better suited to my personality and that's just something that you gotta accept I think people have different fits and so this is how I see things uh you know but I try not to to put too many difficult goals that I won't because yeah I had plans I had so many plans like I wanted to be the president and I, you know like there's all these things that when I moved to London I thought I wanted to go back to the visual art world and I wanted to work as a curator and I did get a job at a museum and I was like this is not for me right <laughs> So, you know, like, yeah, I tried, I tried, yeah. I, yeah, I was like, okay, this is, I like it, but not in this way, you know, this is not how I want to operate. Mm -hmm. So I think there are just, you know, it's a bit of a trial and error as well, because it's not a clear cut path for anyone, but especially for creatives, right? There are so many ways that you can go about things and things are changing at a crazy speed that, yeah, yeah you can make five-year plan, but I, I think it's better to do task like small tasks every week or every month for yourself they're going to put you in a better position than just to think about these huge goals and then make you a bit paralyzed right. and you know then you feel I feel a little more comfortable about changing them essentially I love that um, yeah anything else you would like to add I know that we went like widely sorry time, yeah but I talk I think, a lot it's Great. I mean, I would not cut one single bit out of this. Um, but is there anything else that I didn't get to ask and you wanted to share with us? No, I don't think so. I mean, this was really fun, uh, Sarah. Thank you so much. No. Um, Thank maybe you. So we much. Can, maybe I can go visit. We can go visit Finland together at some yeah, point. No, I would fine. love that. Definitely. And uh, where can we find I Like Networking? And oh, yeah. So, with this very uh, difficult to remember name, uh, we are islandnetworking.uk and also Instagram at islandnetworking. Same name on LinkedIn. And Twitter is the only one that's a bit different. I think it's networking underscore I, but the Instagram and the LinkedIn and the website are much more active and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Isabel Sachs is at doTERRA Sachs, just like the bank minus the money. So remember that, come find me and say no, hi. Ever not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, come say hi. Um, Great.
And if you are the bank and you're listening, we can also take your money. It's all good. But yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, we, we, don't need, we don't need starving artists. Guys. We're ready for it. <laughs> We're happy. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you, sir. This is a really fun way to start the day. It's super amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. If you like this episode, please review it or share it with a friend.